the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. Always an honor. Today is Monday, July the 20th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on July 20, 1969, astronauts Neil Armstrong and Edwin Buzz Aldrin became the first men to walk on the moon. Great, great accomplishment. Stunned the world, really. But we did it. There's a story behind this, a brief story I want to share with you. I think it's very important. It's not in the news much today at all. In fact, I found only one story in a religious um, publication about it, but I know about it, and I want to share it with you. These two guys walked on the moon. First people, as far as we know, that ever walked on the moon. Obviously, it had the attention of the world. Aldrin was a astronaut Aldrin was a elder at Webster Presbyterian Church. It's a congregation near Houston, Texas. He brought with him on this space voyage to the moon, he brought with him the elements of communion. As part of the ceremony, Aldrin, after he got his feet on the moon, he took his the bread and the wine, and he read a verse from the Gospel of John. The verse he read says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whosoever abides in me will bring forth much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. They blacked out the radio. I don't know if that was planned or not. There's a debate about that, but nonetheless, they did. But he had already read the Gospel of John. He said when the, while the radio was blacked out, he said, I opened the little plastic packages which contained the bread and the wine. He said, I poured them into a chalice our church had given to me to bring along. He said the one-sixth gravity on the moon was kind of a strange feeling. But he said this, and I wanted to leave on this on this subject, I wanted to leave this with you. He said, it was interesting to me to think the very first liquid ever poured on the moon, the very first food eaten there were the communion elements. And of course, he said, it's interesting to think that some of the first words spoken on the moon were the words of Jesus Christ, through whom the earth and the moon were created. Think about that for a moment. You won't read that in the news today, I'm certain. But it's true. It happened today. This day, 1969. Today, 1944, an attempt by a group of German officials, they were fed up with their leader. Their leader was Adolf Hitler. They decided to take him out, so they planted this bomb. It exploded, but it only wounded the Nazi leader, Hitler. How would you like to be the guy, one of the guys that tried to take out Hitler and failed? I wouldn't. President Franklin D. Roosevelt today in 1944 was nominated for a fourth term of office the Democratic Convention in Chicago. Today in 1951, Jordan's King Abdullah I 
was assassinated in Jerusalem by a Palestinian gunman shot dead on the spot by Israeli security and King Abdullah's security as well. Today, 1960, a pair of Polaris missiles were fired from a submerged USS George Washington submarine off Cape Canaveral, target more than 1,100 miles away. That was a new level of defense that had not been achieved before. Today, in 1968, the first International Special Olympic Summer Games was organized by Eunice Kennedy Shriver, held at Soldier, uh, Soldier Field in Chicago. Today, in 1976, Americans Viking 1 robot spacecraft made a successful first-ever landing on Mars. It immediately, it did not take the sacraments, <laughs> but it began digging soil samples that could be analyzed. Today, in 1993, White House Deputy Counsel Vincent Foster, Jr., he was 48 years old, he was found shot to death in a park near Washington, D.C. Now, Vincent Foster, Jr. was one of many close associates to the Clintons who came to a sad but curious end. He was very, very close to Hillary. In fact, he was the one person who knew it all, as they say. In fact, he had been in her office cleaning out files. He knew which files to take out of there before authorities came to under with some kind of an order from a judge to take a bunch of stuff on some of the corruption that Bill and Hillary had become involved in. I think it was Whitewater. I'm not sure, but one of those. And he had been he had been dispatched in the middle of the night to go there, a trusted confidant, and he took all the um, all the files that needed to be taken out of her office before the authorities got there. But interestingly enough, they found him shot to death in the park, and they the following day ruled the death to be a suicide. And yet it was later widely known that the evidence suggested something very different than a suicide. There's a list of people that's been published who are close to the Clintons who came to a kind of a curious end. He was one of them. There's about 12, 13, 14 people. I've seen the list. That's concerning. Today in 2012, gunman James Holmes he opened fire in a crowded movie theater in Aurora, Colorado. Remember that? It was during a midnight showing of The Dark Knight Rises. He killed 12 people, wounded 70 others. He's in prison for life without parole. Over the weekend in Chicago, it happens every single weekend. 65 people were shot over the weekend in Chicago, and this isn't unusual. It's typical. Ten of them were killed. That's where we are in our country Today, that's what's happening. On every front, on every side, we ordinary people out here across middle America, here in the Northwest, we're hardly middle America, but some of us probably are thinking about moving there. We hold the values of middle America as it's defined. We live in a country that is on fire, it's broken. They sweep up the glass in Portland, Seattle every morning. They're doing it this morning in Seattle and Portland. The fires have been put out during the night that were started. People were trying to get them off the streets. They won't 
move in the authorities, the governors, the mayors, they celebrate. They call it freedom. When they should be calling it corruption and lawlessness. That's the world we live in today. There are a lot of things going on in our world today to cause us a great amount of distress. I want to get around to talking to you about that today, about how to handle and what we should do in the circumstances we find ourselves in. Coronavirus is spiking again, as you know. Not seen anything quite like this, they say, but yet the flu itself takes a lot of people, but we just don't follow it as closely. Is there a political angle to this whole thing, this coronavirus? Oh, it's real. I'm not suggesting that, so don't misunderstand, particularly if you're a new new listener. You know you know where I'm coming from if you listen regularly. No, I'm not suggesting that there is no virus. I'm suggesting and asking, has it been compromised? Has it been politicized? Millions of Americans turn to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, for their latest update on the coronavirus. But there's, there's growing concern that some of the information the CDC has been putting out to the public A closer look at the politics of the CDC raises even more concerns. I want to talk to you just for a couple of minutes about that, because God would have us to be informed, not misled. God does not want his people misled. People are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I want to take a quick look behind the curtain, or should we say, A quick look behind the mask. Out of more than 8,000 federal contributions from over 550 CDC employees since 2015, only five have gone to Republican PACs or candidates. Employees at CDC have made more than 8,000 contributions, totaling $285,000 to Democrat candidates and causes since 2015. Only five, only five contributions were sent to a Republican PAC or candidate. Out of the five contributions, we're talking about five years. Out of the five contributions that totaled just over $1,000, three sent money. I'm talking about CDC employees, all the way from nurses to heads of the organization. Three sent money to President Trump in 2016. And the three amounted to about $1,000. That's according to the FEC FEC records. The rest went to Democrats and far-left organizations, advocacy organizations. I'm not suggesting that the people at CDC don't have a right to donate to whomever they want. They do, of course. I'm asking if the overwhelming response to the far-left has any effect on what they report and when they report it and how they approach all of these things. Oh, no, Gary, they're professional. They would never allow their politics to enter into anything that they did. Does their almost total allegiance, though, to the left influence anything that they do and what they do? There's no question that they are far left. And I'm talking about the employees, 8,000 of them. That many contributions. The employees who have donated serve at various levels 
of the management, ranging from nurses and information technology, personnel, to epidemiologists, public health advisors, even the chief financial officer in both the Atlanta and the Washington, D.C. offices of CDC. They're all in. In fact, the Daily Caller got a hold of this on Friday afternoon, and they called them, and they, they wouldn't talk to them. They wouldn't respond. They just wanted to ask. The Daily Caller wanted to ask. That's an organization that was co-founded by Tucker Carlson, on who's now on Fox. But they just wanted to ask about it. CDC wouldn't talk to them about it. But the most common recipient of the donations was Act Blue. It's an online fundraising platform for Democrat and far-left organizations. Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, and Elizabeth Warren for president were the most common personal recipients. The CDC folks also strongly support the organization Indivisible Action. It works to elect progressive leaders Rebuild our democracy. These are their words off their promotional because I read it and wrote it down. I mean, it's exactly quote from them. Elect progressive leaders, rebuild our democracy, and defeat the Trump agenda. That's what their main agenda is, indivisible action. Could employee activist politics influence the CDC's response to the virus? Well, the, <laughs> the answer off the street would be, of course not. Everybody has political views and everybody has a bias about something, but these people are professionals. But why does Scripture then say, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he? If what we believe doesn't influence to some degree our actions. I think it does. Not just CDC. I'm just talking about them because... That's the topic of the moment here. But in all of our lives, what we believe is how we live, ultimately. God knows that. He created us. In fact, God says our hearts, our own hearts, are deceptive and wicked. We can't really know our hearts. We can't search out our own hearts. I don't think God is suggesting that we're somehow disassociated with reality and we don't even know who we are or whatever. But I think there are hints of that, people who are outside of Christ, because they're always looking to define themselves, whether it's their sexual behavior, whatever it is, they're always looking for something and some way to define themselves. So I think the Bible is right on that and on everything else. As a person thinks in their heart, so they are. We act out of what we believe. With that in mind, after the World Health Organization, WHO, which is now run by China, basically, because they put that guy, that Tedro, who's the head of the WHO, they put him in in that office. He isn't qualified by all accounts. I mean, I'm not, I can't, you know, judge him as far as his his capability, but others have, doctors have. They all say he he really isn't qualified for the job. But China stepped up. They donated $40 million or whatever, and the United States has pulled our hundreds of millions out of there, thankfully. Thank you, President Trump. But then they recommended him strongly, and, of course, he, this Tedro, became the head of who? 
he's been running interference for China ever since this virus became known to the world, and he'll continue to do so. But they do so with the very elitist and a very <clears throat> attitude. And that's what's bothersome, because behind all of that, there are real convictions, there are real beliefs, and there are real actions that are rooted in those beliefs. But when who declared the coronavirus a global pandemic, they actually made the declaration on March 11th of this year. Total amount of money employees had contributed to left-leaning causes by the end of the month at CDC after WHO declared that on March the 11th, 2020, the employees at CDC immediately that day began contributing to left-leaning causes. By the end of the month, they had contributed, the employees at CDC had contributed three times more than the previous five-year monthly average, and in addition, the total amount of contributions more than doubled compared to the previous five-year monthly average of that month. In other words, man, they started writing checks to the far left once this was declared to be a pandemic. Why would they do that? The far left isn't in charge. The Republicans are. They have the Oval Office. From March 11 to the 31st, employees at CDC (coughs) donated nearly $8,000 through 158 contributions. During the same time, uh, from 2015 through 2019, employees, on average, had given 69 contributions, averaging $2,700. So they went from 69 contributions during that period of March 11 through 31st. They went from 69 contributions on average, which totaled $2,700, to 158 contributions and nearly $8,000. Why would they respond that way? I don't know. Well, I think I do know, but I'm, I'm not accusing them because I don't have any inside track there. I don't. The White House Coronavirus Task Force Coordinator, Dr. Deborah Bricks, she's been quoted by both the Business Insider and the Washington Post as saying, there's nothing from the CDC that I can trust. Now, Fauci has a very different view on that, but that's where she's coming from. Recently, and just a few days ago, near the end of last week, Pew published an exhaustive poll, COVID-19. Their conclusion was that it's highly politicized with Democrats and Republicans holding very stark differences, contrasting beliefs about this virus. In fact, of their poll, it's very in-depth. And I I wrote an article on this today at faithandfreedom.us. And I linked uh, some of the things I'm saying as needed I linked what the source was, and I've linked this Pew um, poll, or uh, actually a survey, that they put out just a few days ago. And in that, they found that looking at what I'm talking about, and how politicized are these organizations, and specifically CDC, I think who is, is corrupt to the core personally. CDC is, is very troublesome. Because you just don't know for sure why they're reporting what they're reporting when they're reporting it. There's just not a confidence level. And it isn't just me. It's across the country. And that's what Pew discovered. Pew is not a conservative organization. They're well-known. They're famous. They've been around a long time. 
they're not conservative. They don't lean conservative. But they found that 26% of Americans believe that partisanship is involved in the reports that we get from the medical community, particularly CDC. They found they they found that 15% of Americans believe race is involved in it. 11% believe just geography, where a person lives, has to do with how they feel and what they believe about the information they're getting. 5% think it's gender and 3% think it's age. And this is just a, a grain of sand out of a, a very broad survey that they did. But it leads us to the fact of asking the question, who can you trust? Who can we believe? Well, the easy answer is just believe the Bible. But let me talk to you a little bit more about that. There was an interesting article. Associated Press put it out. And I have a longer memory than Joe Biden, I will tell you. I I didn't remember the date, but I remembered the story very, very well. I talked about it on television at that time. On April 1st, 1987, Associated Press put out this article. The headline said, Plane, Fish, Collide in Midair. Juneau, Alaska, Associated Press, April 1, 1987. A mid-air collision between a jetliner and a fish. That's right, a fish. Delayed an Alaska Airlines flight for about an hour while the plane was inspected for damage. They found a greasy spot with some scales and no damage. The Juneau Airport manager told the press. There were other stories that came out after that. I just grabbed a couple of them here very quickly because this is part of my point, but not the main point of what I want to talk about. The plane had taken off on its uh, departure from Juneau Airport, and the um, the pilots, Bill Morin and Bill Johnson, they were on their, you know, incline or decline. They were taking off, and... Um, all of a sudden, they saw this eagle in front of them and had a big salmon or some kind of a big fish in its talons. And just in an instant, they said the eagle reversed direction, and either the salmon was, was just by the thrust of the 737 jet, either the salmon was jerked from its talons or torn from its talons, or the eagle let go of it so he could make a like a 180 turn and get out of the way of the plane. But they said it was unbelievable. And uh, in the process, they said they said the, the meat, the fish, as it was ripped out of the claws or dropped, it hit the plane. And uh, this, this uh, one of the pilots, he said, this was one of those, I cannot believe this is happening, happening to me moments. They were talking about it, of course, in the pilot, and of course, or in the cockpit, and of course, it's recorded, as you know, what they're saying. And and this Morin guy looked at Bill Johnson, the other pilot of the Alaska airline, and he said, "Did we just hit what I think we hit?" And Morin, he said over the radio, they they have it recorded, and the other guy goes, "Yeah, I think it is." The eagle apparently escaped all injury. The fish hit the windshield, the little narrow windshield, they call it an eyebrow windshield, up above the main windshield. And um, 
as I said, once they landed in Yucatan, which was their scheduled landing place, they checked out the plane, said it was okay, nothing was hurt. And as far as they knew, the eagles survived fine. The fish, obviously, he was either going to be eaten by a 737 or he was going to be eaten going to be eaten by an eagle. So he didn't have much choice at that point. But the story went not only national, but it went around the world. Because everybody knows kind of what an eagle's about. I suppose that's some of the reasons that led our founding fathers to choose the eagle as our national bird, our symbol. What do you do when you're confronted with situations that are bigger than we are? And boy, we live in a time like that. The Apostle Paul wrote about perilous times. These are perilous times. He was talking about the end times. I believe we are living in end times. Do I know when Christ will return? Of course not, but I do believe we're living in those kinds of times. I think we're seeing kind of a prelude to what the Bible talks about that's coming at the end of time, at the return of Christ. Isaiah wrote in chapter 40, these are words that many of us as Christians We've learned them, we've memorized them, we quote them to one another, and we quote them to ourselves. But let's take a moment today and take a look at this. Isaiah chapter 40 begins with these words, Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem, cry out to her, that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. In other words, a punishment had passed, this was back then, But then, at the end of that chapter, we read this. He gives power to the weak. To those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. But what if we don't, what if we don't mount up with wings like eagles because we're not What is the key? Wait. We're not waiting on God. Sometimes we get so drawn into the circumstances, and they're real, and they're awful, and they're very perplexing. This is an unusual time to be alive today, but sometimes we get so far drawn in to who's going to win the election and everything, and that's what we talk about on this program every day. But I want to tell you, there is something bigger than all of that, and it is God himself. And God has said to his people, if you will wait on me, just trust me. He's not talking about just becoming kind of like, okay, well, let's forget about, let's just go back to bed and read a novel. He's not talking about that. He's talking about waiting on the Lord, being engaged, being informed, but letting God lead rather than us lead. I mean, we all have that tendency. I do. I want to help God. But we try to run ahead of God sometimes, and we look look at the polls, and we say, do we want Joe Biden to be president? He's 10 points ahead. Of course, I don't want him. I don't, and hopefully you don't. But yet there is the God who is in control. And he has said that if we'll wait on him, we'll mount up with wings as eagles. Eagles are interesting birds. They can fly as high as 14,000 feet. That's Mount Rainier. That's the top of it. Compared to, say, the hummingbird. They're cute. The hummingbirds are interesting, and they dart around all over the place. Do you know how many times their wings fly or flap? 80 times per second. 
And you know how what their heartbeat is? It's 1,300 times per minute when they're in flight. God is saying, don't do that. Be the eagle. The eagle catches the thermals, the storms, and he rises above it. He doesn't even flap his wings most of the time. 